Happy Monday, happy Monday, good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you're watching, whenever you're watching, however you're watching, welcome to the Bet Online Salute to Troy podcast. It's another Monday, another game in the books. The Trojans are now 4-0 and and moving on. Fell in the rankings to 8, but rankings don't matter right now until week 8, so we'll live through that. We got a full cast here today. We got the man, the myth, the legend, the CEO Mr. Humble himself, Ryan Dyrude. How are you doing today, Ryan? What's happening? Good. Uh, we had fun on Saturday night at Stone Brewery and watched a, a nail biter, but uh, the Trojans came on top, so happy to talk into it. There we go. We got the world-class athlete, the queen of LAFB herself, Miss Candace Davis-Price. How are you doing? I'm happy. We're transitioning to fall, so feeling kind of crisp air out there. That was always tough for me in LA. There was no real transition of a season. No, no, we're transitioning right now. We went from 100 degrees to 75. We love <laughs> it's it's excellent right now. This is why people from other parts of the country do not like us. So. <laughs> Yep. Statements like that, Fred. <laughs> we're in an excellent. We're in an excellent transition. We're like, oh man, this feels great. Right. And then, last but not least, we have the mad scientist itself, the man who has a degree from every Ivy League, every institution in California. The madman, Jamal Magby. How are you doing today, Jamal? Doing well, Coach. Great to see you again. Uh, you know, we we did a, a fun one yesterday, and and back on it today, uh, Coach. I'm seeing you more than I'm seeing my wife the last two days. So excited to be here. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. So we got battle tested, right? I, and I, I, I want to start off with this. I would like to apologize to the Trojan fans. I would like to tra- apologize to the Trojan faithful. I am a very superstitious athlete. When I played, I had to do everything the same. I had to put my right sock on for my left sock. I had to put one wristband on for the other. I had to do the same pregame routine. I had to sit in the same chair. Everything had to be the same. If we had a bad game or if we lost, I, I'll run through, go through what I did before the game. Like, oh, that's why we lost. I won't do that again. I make sure everything is good. I have been saying, and I said it on Saturday, right? I said it last Thursday. I said we need Caleb Williams to play four quarters, right? And the sports guy said, you want Caleb Williams for four quarters? We'll give you Caleb Williams for four quarters. And we got Caleb Williams for four quarters. Now, Caleb Williams for four quarters was amazing. But with that being said, this is not the time to have Caleb Williams for four quarters. This is the Caleb Williams we needed to see. The Trojans went and played Arizona State, 42-28 victory. But it was a nail-biter, and they got battle-tested, right? With that being said, all in all, I'm not upset because this needed to happen and it needed to happen now because they needed to be battle tested. Also, it reminds me of the old Pac-10 where you could walk into any stadium at any time and you could take an L from anybody. When I played, we played all 10 teams, all nine teams in the Pac-10 at the time. So there was there wasn't a we missed one every other year. Like it was the full schedule at the whole time. And Tempe was popping. Ryan, you asked me on Saturday, what's what stadium reminds you? Every, you saw what Tempe could do, right? <laughs> like every stadium. Now, the Trojans have a target on their back. Every stadium they go to, they're going to be tested. It's going to be sold out. Everybody wants to see the best team in the conference. Everybody wants to see the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And they got their first test of that. They have their first test of, all right, we're going to try our best to beat you. We saw trick plays from a team that was, what was it, a 35-point favorite, 
trick. They were guaranteed. They were trying to win the game, and Arizona State gave them every single thing that they had, and the Trojans prevailed. And I have no problem with it. It was a sloppy game, absolutely. Was it bye week lows, probably? But this was the test that was needed from the Trojans, right? Um, I will say this: Caleb Williams is amazing. <laughs> Caleb Williams is amazing, and it's just unfortunate that he's flying below the radar but there's going to become a time where he will be in the headlines again but i mean five touchdowns why do you say he's flying below the why do you say he's flying below, below the radar i'm on the other side of the country and i've heard nothing but positive things i've also and this is going to kind of jump into what i want to talk about like his level of composure that he's been able to exhibit through all scenarios so are they not loving him like they should in california because I'm hearing about him in Ann Arbor. You're you're hearing about him because he's Caleb Williams. Okay. You're not hearing about him because of him being the front runner of the Heisman race. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Like he's not getting the Heisman consideration like he should be getting. He had three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. He passed for 322 yards. He was 20 for 31 with a 65% completion rating. Like, I mean, I also feel like he does it smooth. Right. You know, watching the other quarterbacks, they look a little, you know, playing it cookie cutter, stay following, as you would say, the scheme and reading this. But, you know, the level of composure and how smooth he does, which would make sense in L.A. being smooth. But like any quarterback that's going out there with nail polish on their fingernails and can and rifle something, that's a level of confidence, right? Yeah, so. it is. It, no, it's 100% level of confidence. It's just he's the best. That's why it looks so smooth. When you see good player, here's a good example. When you watch Kawhi Leonard, because that's the best example I can give you, if you ever watch Kawhi Leonard play, it doesn't look like he's scoring a bunch of points. Then when you go and look at the stat box, he dropped 45, six rebounds, and 12 assists. That's, that's what Caleb Williams did. It's like he, he just does it so quietly. It's a normal day at the office. I will say this. The bright side about this whole thing, Marshawn Lloyd got 14 touches and he took off. It was his coming out party. This was the Marshawn Lloyd and this was the running game that we were looking for. This is the Marshawn Lloyd and this is the running game that you've been asking for, Jamal. And it finally happened. Was it against lower competition? Yeah, but we needed to see that. We needed to see a dominant running game. The one thing that I'm not happy about, Austin Jones only got three carries, but 36 yards. So we know the ability that he has. My hat goes off to Austin Jones because he is a true program player. Doesn't complain about carries. He's all about the team. He's all about the Trojans. And he that's the type of person we need. I am going to go to Ryan first. What are your takeaways from this game? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'll start with this, like hats off, you know, well, I'll just, I guess I'll, I'll, say my first negative statements um, and then go kind of to the positives. And, okay. you know, I thought SC got out coached Kenny Dillingham hats off to him that the game plan he put together. And sometimes, you know, in not just sports, but in even job or walk of life, like when you have nothing to lose and you can just throw everything at, I mean, we see it all the time. The greatest sports stories in history are David versus Goliath, right? When they're not expected to win and they, they throw haymakers and just keep coming, keep coming. And it's the Rudy stories and stuff like that. And, and that was ASU on Saturday. And it was, you know, it was a fun brand of football. And I think they're in good hands down here, there with coach Dillingham. And we talked to coach Riley on Thursday and he said, he Talked about how he had the utmost respect for him and their coaching staff. So, you know, they came out and, and they played and they put together a game plan and executed it. And, 
and you know their, their players played their butts off and and I thought probably outcoached SC overall outplayed in terms of just just the work they put in overall but the thing that I took from it especially after letting it marinate for 24 or 48 hours is you know good teams can get punched in the mouth by a lesser opponent panic and lose and there goes the seasons USC is a is it was a 35 point favorite 34 and a half point they're bar none better at every single position especially with all the players out for ASU with the injuries they had with the lack of scholarships hands down but the great team sometimes when you face that adversity which we can argue they shouldn't have faced that adversity but they did and was it too early in the season probably was it against an inferior opponent yes but when they faced that and played as poorly as they did off the bye week and kind of looked like they were going through the motions that time even on offense defense looked good sometimes then looked bad other times giving up big plays but you get the job done on the road first road game and you still win by 14 points so i think there's a lot to learn from this game there's definitely some negatives uh and some reoccurring themes that we've talked about a lot that's it was unfortunate to see that yet again but i think overall i was after letting it kind of marinate and looking back at the tape and watching some of the stuff i was pleased at how some of this leadership on the team kind of reacted in a way and we saw as you mentioned, Marshawn Lloyd, ball out. We saw Brendan Rice, ball out. Uh, I think we saw Kalen Bullock play really well. And, and on that back end, and he had that great ball hawking pick, uh, you know, kind of watching the quarterback eyes. So I think we saw some really good moments. Overall, the product wasn't good enough. Obviously, you can't play that way and beat teams like Oregon and, and even Colorado and, and obviously Washington in the homecoming game. But a, a game like this is, it was almost necessary for them to kind of wake up and say, okay, yeah, we're SC, but we also got to show up every day and, and play like SC and not play like we just have more talent. So it was I think it was a good punch in the mouth. They came out on top. They they pulled away at the end there. So, you know, some negatives, but I think the positive was they're 4-0, and now you move on to Colorado and you, you see how they correct things after this week. Candace, what do you think? Positives, I, I kind of touched on it. Caleb, he's smooth. He's smooth. And like you said, he's doing it with E. Um, I think that's difficult. Let's use um, a prime word. Insecurities of others. When they, <laughs> no pun intended, we'll get there Thursday. <laughs> Candace licking her chops over here. <laughs> he, does it, he, he does it real smooth. There's like a level of, um, he's elegant with the past. And if you're, you don't have to be a football fan or a USC fan to see what Caleb Williams is doing and enjoy it. Right, because it was one in the morning, and I'm hitting a nod, like, and I'm like, did he just? What did he die for the pylon? Like, it was exciting, but um, still very cal- calculated. So, Caleb Williams, I'm definitely becoming a fan, and I'm a Matt Liner error. Like, I'm a text message away, so that feels good. I'm disappointed in AP rankings. I'm very disappointed that I read an article today, and I think I have it up. It was on CBS. They give. Oregon an A and USC a D plus. And again, we're on the road. Again, we're coming off um, a bye week. So, you know, you can be a little flat, but you got the number one team, number one, two team can barely put up points on below power five schools. So I'm not very happy with the level of scrutiny that USC is receiving. That's not fair across the country. So I'm down the street from the big house. They can, they were, they were scoreless against Rutgers? Rutgers. They were scoreless? 
They barely put up 35 points to UNLV. And your boy, J.J. McCarthy, got instead got a, got an interception three times against Bowling Green. And your boy, Caleb, correct me if I'm wrong, does he have an interception yet on the season? So why No, but knock on wood. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. On the same on the same college football like conversation. So disappointment, AP rankings, whatever. Uh, this is your word, Jamal. Algorithms. <laughs> information. I'm gonna need you to come up with an algorithm, open up your eyes, and check out what USC is doing. But it's cool because you're right. When we go, you want to slide us down to 10, 8, whatever. When we come and just dog walk you from number eight, you're gonna look real goofy. So very happy with the Trojans. The surprising a uh, little bit to get going. I'm an athlete. I don't expect perfection. You the football season, football games, they are not sprints, they are marathons. That's what they are. That's why I would never play it. So the idea of these rankings, cool. Do we care about them? Absolutely. You know, they give us affirmation. But the reality of this is we finna dog walk anybody from top from five and above. Can I can I add to that real quick before you go to Jamal? Yeah, you can. Uh, just cause I wrote an article about that today, actually. Um, and, and I'm going to agree with you, Candace, you know, the AP rankings don't matter obviously because the CFP rankings are what matter, but the CFP rankings is a committee and they're human beings. And a lot of their basis is on where teams ranked kind of going into it. And so my big thought was I didn't have a problem, honestly, with them moving SC back for the likes of a Washington who's looked great in, in boat race, Michigan state for the likes of a, of a. Florida State, who beat LSU and beat Clemson in Clemson, for the likes of even a, a Penn State that just blanked Iowa and beat West Virginia. So I, I don't get, I get that, but I what I don't get, and you said this, and obviously Texas beating Alabama, but what I don't get is when you look at Georgia and Michigan, Georgia's played what? Uh, you, you, but Georgia's two-time Martin? defending national champion, Ryan. I mean, there, there's a little bit of respect that comes with that, and rightfully so. They're trying to yeah, be the first team to go three-peat since the 30s, so that that comes with a little bit of respect. Yeah, but when you're struggling against when you're when you're playing when everybody's in deep in conference play and you're playing, who did they play? Charlotte or somebody like that? That's that that no. You supposed you gave up 20 something on UAB, right? And then you struggled against. You struggled against a, a division one, another division one team, and barely beat them. That's not a power five school. Like you struggled against South Carolina. They have not won convincingly. The only thing that they're using is, is SEC. Now I will say this: this is the problem, Candace. You stayed up until three three o'clock because you're a USC Trojan. Everybody's everybody's not staying up that late, and so the problem is they're not staying up that late, and they're waking up and they're saying, "Oh, USC barely won." Like it's Arizona State and they lost to Fresno State. Nope, they're getting moved down. But I will say this coaches know. And the coaches poll, SC did not move. They're still number five. So there's 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 two things that, that come into factor. It's the East Coast bias, and there will always be East Coast bias, right? And then there's the fact of people still think that the SEC is a good conference this year, and it's not very good this year. And mm-hmm it's not going to take until the middle of the season where they figured out like, all right, these other conferences are pretty good. And we're going to, I said this, this is going to be the first year without an sec team in the college football playoff. And I still stand on that. Like they're, they're not good enough. So like you can have it right now and it's only going to be week five. It doesn't matter. We have three more weeks until it really starts to matter. These AP polls are a bunch of writers who barely played or never played. And then, but when you look at the coaches poll, they understand, they know. So don't 
don't get too upset about it. Like, just let's well, just wait until week eight. I, I feel like Georgia is holding on, like, with their nails to keep that grasp because of what you're saying about the SEC. So, yeah. And then just to touch a little bit about back on the game, everyone is going to play their A++ the premium ultimate Madden 99 rating against USC the first half. They're going to try. They have to. This is USC is thinking national championship. ASU is thinking if we get on the board, just think of the stats that you guys are going to talk about, which is not my thing. The stats that some of those guys put up, the performance they put up at home, that meant everything to them. It wasn't about us losing to USC. It was about putting on a performance and what they did, right? So I'm not kudosing any other school, but to you at to ASU to come out there with a plan to execute and really try and give them an opportunity like where they're coming off of a bye week. They're going to be playing on the road. Let's use these things to our advantage and show our worth. So I don't think SC looked as bad as an athlete again. I'm like, hey, you come. Like people aren't even getting up going to Planet Fitness, and that's $9 a month, let alone getting playing a week of practice, not having a game, and going on the road. So that's that. Jamal. So I'll, you know, Fred, it's an interesting conversation. I, I, let me let me kind of go back to the game a little bit and, and start with the positives, and then we can we can zoom out a bit in terms of the positives from Saturday night. I think there were some terrific individual performances. I think individual talent uh, really shined in that game. Obviously, starting with Caleb Williams, I you know he, he went through some adversity. Uh, you know, he got punched in the gut figuratively and literally at at one point. Um, you know, with that false snap, had had a superb game. In terms of highlights, in terms of just the the gracefulness of the touchdowns, that might have been his most highlight-filled game. I mean, when you look at those kind of three passing touchdowns, the two to Rice were just gorgeous. Obviously, the second one where he he basically kind of did a spin cycle 360 on the rollout and, and found Rice wide open on that right pylon, and then just a beautiful ball that he completed to Taj Washington on for the clinching last touchdown there. Again, I don't think he makes that throw last year. I think his his down-the-field accuracy has been significantly better. I think the other terrific individual performance, I was sort of screaming for this of, of double-digit touches. Marshawn Lloyd uh, looked phenomenal. Fred, you you mentioned it earlier, the 14 touches. It, he, was a, he was a walking first down every time he touched the ball. And I know you love Austin Jones, Fred, and he's, he's a really good player. Austin Jones is not Marshawn Lynch. And there's no way this should be a two-back system. Like, the only way Austin Jones should be getting more than six or seven touches in a game is if Marshawn Lloyd is hurt. But there is nothing Austin Jones does that is better than Marshawn Lloyd. Like, Marshawn Lloyd is, is better than Travis Dye was last year and just a combination of power and speed and versatility that is unique uh, at that position. And then I think defensively, when you look at individuals, again, Solomon Bird, uh, you know, was very, very disruptive with two sacks. You look at Romello Height, he had two sacks himself. Obviously, Bear Alexander, you know, created a lot of disruption there in the middle in the interior of that line. And then Tack Curtis kind of jumped in more and more in garbage time. But those guys all played phenomenally. Ryan mentioned Kalen Bullock with, with the high point interception, finally looking like the Kalen Bullock of last year. So I think the individual talent uh, and individual performances were, were pretty significant in that game. Now the negatives. And I think there's a few here. The first is I don't like this narrative that 
everyone's going to give SC their best shot. And so that's why SC gets a pass when they don't play well. I think it just kind of creates a culture of entitlement that isn't healthy. And I don't think championship teams are built on that because let's just be real. SC hasn't been SC for 15 years. Okay. This team has won one conference title in 15 years, you know? So to say that just because we're SC and, Everyone's going to take their best shot because we're SC. This isn't 2004 and 2005 anymore. This is a team that still needs to establish themselves nationally again. So I, I don't like that narrative because I think it creates a culture of entitlement. The second thing I don't like is giving this team any credit at all for being resilient against Arizona State. I'll put it another way. This team was a 34 and a half point favorite. Had they lost this game, this would have gone down as one of the 10 greatest upsets in the history of college football if they lost this game so to say that oh they got punched in the mouth and they showed resilience of a championship team that's delusional okay this was a team that did not show up uh, against the team that they should have blasted that 07 game when they lost to stanford as a 41 and a half point favorite they were only a seven point favorite more than they were saturday night and that was the second greatest upset in the history of the sport so this was a significant talent discrepancy, and they shouldn't be getting any credit for any resiliency whatsoever because they should have won that game very, very easily. The concern that I have is this team is starting to look like last year's team in, in, in two areas. The first is missed tackles. And now this is the fourth game where the number of missed tackles has gone up. The first two games, they had eight missed tackles. Game three against Stanford was 10. There was 18 missed tackles last night, that, uh, Saturday night. That started looking like the Pac-12 championship game against Utah. The second big concern that I have is Dillingham coached his tail off and was phenomenal to Ryan's point, but it was a very, very simple offense that they were running. It was basically this sort of shovel pass to the right, the shovel handoff, and then faking the shovel handoff and having guys streak down the, the sideline. And the fact that Arizona State could score 28 points off of basically one play and one counter, it again felt like last year's first Utah game when Dalton Kincaid went bonkers on the same play over and over again. So my big concern right now moving forward is how much has this team really gotten better in terms of habits, in terms of preparation? They've said all the right things. The game gets longer. We get tougher. All of the coach speak and all of kind of the politically correct, nebulous, cliche things. But when push came to shove, this team is starting to regress to what they were last year. And even if they are marginally better than they were last year, five, six, seven percent better than they were last year, the fact that the Pac-12 is 15, 20, 25 percent better than it was last year, that actually puts SC in a deficit position. So... I'm really concerned schematically uh, in terms of defense. And, and Fred, I'm sure you'll get into it. And then I just didn't like the body language either. I, I thought for as well as Caleb played, I thought his body language was actually quite poor for two and a half, three quarters of that game. I thought the body language on the sideline was very poor. And just the fact that they, did, they had the penalties, they, had, they weren't protecting the ball. They just didn't look ready to play. They didn't respect their opponent. And that was very, very telling at the end of the third quarter when Lincoln Riley went for it on fourth and three at the Arizona State 16 up six and didn't want to kick the field goal to make it a two-score game because he had no respect for Arizona State. And those habits start reminding me of last year's habits, and they got to nip that in the bud because it's, it's, it's a big concern.
I will say this before before I get to my point. <clears throat> I want to let you guys know. Salute Detroit is brought to you by Bet Online. Go to BetOnline.ag to get all your up to the minute sports lines, wagers, and scores. BetOnline.ag. Put in promo code Believe. That's B L E A V, and you receive a fifty percent welcome bonus. That's BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. So here's the deal. Right, and this is just my opinion. No, that's not my opinion. I know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna say I know what I'm talking about. The talent from last year at SC got has gotten better, especially on defense. Those are better players. The players that they had on defense last year was not good. It's no longer the players. Those players are not put in the best position to become successful at this point. And I am completely sold on it. You, as a coach, you have to put your players in the best position possible. When you hire your friends, you get put in a position to lose. I've heard this from Dave Wanstead himself when I was at the NCAA clinic for upcoming coaches. When you hire your friends, you get put in a position to lose. It's time for Lincoln Riley to cut the ties. Like, this has to be the last year. This upcoming week is going to be the same thing, right? Because the OC, he's not the greatest in the world, but he's very good at what he does. But we'll get into that on Thursday. SC's defense is not put in the best position to win week in and week out. There is no way as a defensive coordinator making $3 million a year, you're allowed to run the same play and be successful. I do not understand that. Dalton Kincaid became a first-round pick because of Alex Grinch. That's all it was. One game, 300 yards receiving, made him a first-round pick. Made him one of the best tight ends in the NFL draft last year. Let me ask you guys this question. Have you seen one reception from Dalton Kincaid this year? Not one, right? It's, they're not being put in a position. I don't know if it's – I don't know if it's because Lincoln Riley's an offensive coach and he's an offensive emphasis guy and they really don't care about defense, just don't let them score a bunch of points, or Alex Grinch just is not good enough. And we've seen this with Todd Orlando. Todd Orlando is the same way. Todd Orlando is not very good schematically. It's not the players. I will tell you this right now. Those players are good. Tackett Curtis was the fresh, Pac-12 freshman of the week. Tackett Curtis is going to become a leader on this defense. Tackett Curtis is going to be an All-American one day. He is a good player. Mason Cobb is good. He might not show it numbers-wise, but he flies 53 and a fourth, 53 and a quarter, like a maniac. He is all over the field. Bear Alexander is a man playing with boys, right? Kalen Bullock is very good. Jaleel Muhammad was a great pickup. That was one of the best pickups that I've ever seen SC do. They needed edge pressure, and they went and got a guy to do it. Athletically, they are the best in the conference. Schematically, they are worse. There's 133 teams in NCAA Division I football. Scheme-wise, they are ranked 133rd. Another point is... Can I ask you something real quick, Fred? Go ahead. Before we move on from that? Yeah, is one thing that I thought was shocking, and we can blame the scheme, but also sometimes it's it's personnel. And I love Mason Cobb. You know, I, I think he was a great transfer. Was great at Oklahoma State, but was hurt coming off two weeks. Then had the bye weeks. Hadn't played in three weeks, so maybe it was they just really felt like they wanted to get him a lot of reps. But you, they didn't play Rayshon Davis or Shane Lee a snap. Rayshon Davis has looked great from the linebacker position. I mean, what's your thoughts on not getting Davis in this game at all? Yeah, I don't understand that. And I that part I don't know, so I don't want to speculate on what the conversation was. But that part I, I don't know. I, I can't 
give you an answer to that question because I, I don't know the answer to that question. But they should have put him in because at some point you have to start making production. And I, and I agree with you on that. <clears throat> the point I was going to get to was Lincoln. I, I said this earlier to you guys. Oklahoma and the Dallas Cowboys are very similar. They get a lot of hype in the beginning of the season and throughout the whole season. They don't accomplish anything. And that's what Stoops and Riley. That's both of them. And you see this thing to where they kind of have like this swagger. One of the best things you can see, players are reflections of your coach. And Riley has this swagger to where he's a little cocky, right? And you see it when he plays lesser teams. He tries all these trick plays and shows off all his new toys. They have kind of this. Hey, newsflash, you aren't us. We was allowed to walk around like that because we were going to win. Like, we were going to win. <laughs> like there was, and, and that 2007 game, Jamal, I was there, and that brings back eerie feelings. That was just a bad day. J.D. broke his finger. Things just yep. weren't going right. It was, missed the extra point. I missed, was there too, Fred. I wasn't on the field, but I was there. <laughs> also, I will tell you this. That was one of our worst weeks of practice we ever had. Two days that, two days that week, we got kicked off the practice field and had to come back. And it showed when we played Stanford and we lost, right? And then we had to go. We went to Corvallis and lost. We got we didn't make the national championship. But nevertheless, they have this like swaggy, like they they're, they're cocky, right? And I think I think this part is only opinion, and I I could go off of my past experience and playing and being a part of the game for so long. I feel like they looked ahead. They were already ready for the game this week because they want to shut Colorado up this week, and they forgot that they had to play Arizona. They it's Arizona State, and they forgot that they had to go to Tempe, and they didn't realize that it was sold out. And then you got a bunch of people who were like, "Oh, it's just a Pac-12 sold-out stadium." Nope, Tempe gets loud. And hey, newsflash: Colorado gets loud. Here's another newsflash: every place besides Stanford gets loud. If Cal sells out, guess what? Cal gets loud. You know what I mean? There's there's 11 stadiums in this conference that gets loud, and there's 11 stadiums that if you walk in, they don't care who you are. They just want to win. Every kid in the conference has a chip on their shoulder because they did not get recruited by SC. California is a pipeline for the conference, and they walk in, and they think because they have the interlock XC on their chest that people are scared of them. They're not scared of them. They're trying to prove something. Just like those dudes are trying to get drafted, the team you're playing against is getting drafted. So it gets to this point to where, like, oh, it's just it's just Arizona State. And we saw that on Saturday. And we saw that on the first drive and the first few drives. And before you know it, you're in a ball game with a team that you shouldn't be in a ball game with. If they would have put up 70, they would have probably been the number three team in the nation. Easy. Hey, this is a team to look out for. Now you got you talk about, oh, how many points is the next school going to put up on you because they, they got a productive offense? That's SE's biggest problem. They, And this is Lincoln Riley's fault. They're not a disciplined championship team. And when I say they're not a disciplined championship team, like the the – like Ryan says, like the, the atmosphere is changing. You see the motivation, but the product that they're showing us is not a disciplined team. They don't know how to take care of business when they need to take care of business. And they constantly are doing that. And that's the same problem they had last year. And there's only one person to blame out of all that. And that's Lincoln Riley. He is the head coach of this team and he needs to change that. And if he does not change that, he will be just like he was at Oklahoma. He'll only win Rose Bowls and conference championships. That's fact. Whoever wants to rebuttal could go ahead and rebuttal off of that. I'm sorry. 
No, Fred, I think you, you, you said it really well. I mean, I think it's interesting of what this team's journey is going to be, you know, and I think that, that there's an interesting scenario where last year we didn't really know what we had. And, you know, there was, there was sort of a big splash in that Stanford game, ironically, the one stadium, according to Fred, that doesn't get loud. You know, at the library, there was a big splash in game two, um, you know, and all, all the kind of celebrities were there and, and what have you, and big splash there. Then the weekend after was that Oregon State game, right, where it was the nail-biter with a minute to go. Caleb finds Jordan Addison, the four interceptions on Chance Nolan. You know, you squeak it out. And then you're at 6-0 and going into that Utah game. There's the loss. And then they reset and rebuild all the way back to the Pac-12 championship game. So there was these two ebbs and flows of the season. They had kind of an early signature win built on that, had some adversity, and then rebuilt up until the end. And then, unfortunately, things didn't, didn't finish the way they would have liked. My concern here, Fred, is based on what you're describing in that Maybe there's a little bit of entitlement. Maybe they're a little soft. Maybe they're a little full of themselves is kind of what you're saying right now. But where is that test going to come? You know, there's just such a huge gap between the schedule that they have right now and then when it when the lights really come on, when you got to go at Notre Dame, you got to go at Oregon, you got to play Utah potentially with Cam Rising, you got to host Washington. Those are four games in five weeks where it gets so gnarly so quickly in, in such a significant steep. I worry about the schedule and how it's laid out. Hopefully they can get a, a, a feisty game from Colorado. I think they will, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more later in the week. But I think they need to sort of have that mentality that it's not always going to be a Stanford team that's probably going to finish 2-10. and 10. It's not going to be... You know, these these non-Power 5 schools, they're going to have single-digit wins. It's not going to be Arizona now who doesn't have Jaden Delora the following week. I mean, this is sort of a very, very soft schedule. And that's also one of the reasons they're not moving up is because the schedule's so soft also. You know, I mean, I don't necessarily agree that this year there's this big SEC bias. I mean, if you really look at it, look at Alabama's at 13 after one loss. The, 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 look at how far LSU has fallen. There really isn't this sort of respect for the SEC outside of Georgia because they're the champs. There's four Pac-10, Pac-12 teams in the top 10. This is the first time that's happened since the early 90s. I mean, this is really a renaissance period. And I think because this is the last year of the conference, I think it's getting more notoriety than it ever has before, ironically. So it's all sort of falling in USC's favor, but they just got to kind of put the right product on the field here moving forward. No, 100%. I, I- so, I do think their first test will be against Utah, right? I, I think it will be against Utah. No matter what, Utah and Oregon State's going to be the same team. And when I say the same team, they're going to come and punch you. They don't care who you are, how you are, just like Stanford used to be. They're going to come and punch you, right? So, no matter what's going to happen, you're going to get punched by Utah. It may not be the same team, but it's still the same tough grit attitude. And still, you know what I mean? So that, that's another test. And I, and I think they got to go to Alton. Alton's going to be a test, right? And that one is who's going to score last. So how do you deal with that? I have to deal with Michael Penix Jr. in Washington on homecoming. Like, how do you deal with that, right? Like you, like you said, you're looking at a point to where when they play Oregon, it might be in the rankings, USC, Washington, Oregon, like just like it is now, maybe a little bit higher. So 
those tests are coming. Don't don't count out Arizona. Arizona and Tucson is not easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and apparently SC has a travel problem. It's you never really have these issues at home, but you have these well, issues Arizona's when they get home. home. But oh, yeah, Arizona's at home. Oh, Arizona, Arizona, Arizona right? at home. Okay, yeah. I, the last, I, I mean, it, but to your point, last year, I mean, that was a that was a tricky game. That was a two point mm-hmm. game going into the fourth quarter. So right. you know, point noted, Fred. For Dorian sure. Singer, three tubbies for Dorian Singer. Yeah, they, like I'll, they have a travel problem. Go yeah. ahead, Ryan. No, I'll just I'll be the. I don't know how much more when I, we can hear from Candace since we haven't heard from her in a while. But the one thing I'll say is Hi, that Candace. I'm excited <laughs> that I'm uh, excited about is because I agree with you know what you guys are saying. But I think this, and we're going to preview it. Obviously, we've said it many times later in the week, but this is a huge opportunity for this team in Colorado in Boulder, nine a.m. low or ten a.m. local time, nine a.m. Pacific time, to silence all these critiques and say, okay, we had a really bad game against Arizona state. We're not entitled. We're not this. We're going to come out and show you what we are made of. And so I'm excited to see how they respond and if they are able to do that and and silence some of that. So to me, this is a huge opportunity for a team that has shown some deficiencies in areas has shown greatness in other areas to play a full four quarters as a team on all three levels and go out and show it. So we'll, we'll talk about it later about how they do that and what that looks like. But I'm just excited to, after seeing what they put on the product uh, on the field on, on Saturday, how they respond from that. And I'll be at practice tomorrow and Wednesday to hopefully, you know, see what some things are said. But I think, I think this game left a really bad taste in their mouths, judging from, you know, what Lincoln Riley said in his press or what some of the players should, said. So I'm should excited. Have. It should, of course. I mean, I don't, and, I don't know. I don't know if that's sort of even worth saying. I mean, it better. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't, we got a much bigger problem <laughs> on our hands here. You know, yeah. it better. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how they respond. Yeah, I'll be interested to listen to the Stone Brewery uh practice report. Once again, Stone Brewery sponsors the Sous Detroit podcast. Go to your local vendors and get the fight on Pell That's Stone Brewery. Local vendors fight on Pell Candace. Yeah. I, I I thought I thought so. Here's the thing. I thought you were the biggest critic. But you, you got some competition above you right now. The Madman is Madman is tough. Straight A's are nothing with the Madman. So, <laughs> how do you feel about this? I'm just sitting back listening to Jamal because he's just so sophisticated with his comments. I'm a little bit more raw, but um, no. I mean, I appreciate that. My perspective is very different being an athlete. I just I know that. I don't know if I haven't seen them play in person yet. And again, I'm watching them at two in the morning. I did like how you touched on Lincoln Riley. And I don't know what championship level coach he is. And when you walk to USC, we've had some in the past that really jacked it up. But the notoriety and the history and the tradition and the type of talent that just flocks to USC, um, it makes it it makes it hard for you to kind of mess up. So I just don't feel that swag with him, and you said it. They take on the um, person of their coach, and Deion Sanders, Lincoln Riley. Hmm. This is an FC show, so if you do not need to log on on Thursday, just just stay in Michigan. No, <laughs> I, I will help you out. I will help you out. Ebbs and flows is a financial term that they use on on charts of uh, how they make money. <laughs> I that was, did, um, like I said, I did. The, the game was a bit shaky for me, but I guess I told you I'm an athlete. This is a marathon. I get it. I see every game. 
Um, I see Caleb Williams is a fighter. He's a champion. He wants to win a national championship. He wants to solidify. I know the small details um, for guys that follow stats, guys that understand schemes, guys that see missed tackles. I, I'm glad we have you because you need to have those eyes. But ultimately, in the dogfight, like when you got guys like Caleb Williams wanting it more, he will score. He's going to throw. He's going to, if he's got to crawl with his teeth through that pylon, he's going to make it happen. So SC is grateful to have a guy like that can wear a green nail polish on his fingers and make sure that. I will, I will tell you this. There's one thing that needs to be fixed, and they need to fix it fast. They need to bring Zachariah Branch back down to reality. I think he got a little too big for himself. You're looking, like, you're, looking, you're looking like that, but let, let, nah, I mean, he's fine. Hold nah. on. Hold on. You guys aren't – you stop. Just listen to what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Wait, serious. Seriously. Preach it. Preach he it. He should have never took the kickoff out the end zone. He should have never done that. He got lucky because his knee was down. That would have been another turnover, right? He's starting to not work upfield. He's thinking he could start reversing field because he thinks he's better than everybody on the field. They're Division One players also. They're on scholarship also. I, uh, no, you sound, uh, I saw a nice interview with him in that lineup, and he gave a lot of credit and comments to, to fantastic players that his work ethic, and, he, I, and I feel him on this. He That's said, fine, but you're but this, just listen to what I'm saying. He should have never took that. The fact that you think you could take an end zone, a foot of a, a kick out of the end zone and run almost 105 yards, that that has to stop. Can't do that. There's certain things out there that he's doing that because the hype is there, and I'm not saying kill his confidence, but you have to. You, have to, you said what? Reggie Bush never took a, a kick out the back of the end zone. I, I, I don't know. I got to disagree with you on this. I like you, that. I like you, that. you can, but let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Wait, that hit, His knee's not down. His knee's not down, right? The Arizona State gets the ball. They score the ball on their 17-yard line. It's now 14-7 Arizona State. Whose fault is that? He's a rookie. Give the guys. Let him make some mistakes. If we're talking about his senior year and he's doing foolishness, sure. Let the rookie be. You got seasoned defensive men out there missing tackles. That's really what we need to be talking about. Not the freshman that can run 10-3 and can outrun all 22 guys on the football field. No, you can't. You can't let the rookie pass because now we're getting to a point where mistakes turn into points and losses. You can't. You got to bring them. You got to bring them back in. I'm not saying kill his confidence. All I'm saying is like, hey, man, like, let's be smarter with the decisions you make. You let's want Zachariah Branch to be in reality in my land. Is that what I hear you saying? No. All I'm, not, this is what I'm saying. Just, <laughs> if you listen, I could tell you what I'm saying. <laughs> Just make smarter decisions. Like, we know how good you are. Just make smarter decisions. Like, you have to reel him back in that way. Like, he is good, and he's excellent, and he has a ton of upside, but Let's like let's what I back what I would say is coach him, but don't cage him. Like, right. yeah, coach him on those. Those are bad. Like I knew it. I was a return man. Like you plant your heels at the ten yard line on a punt. You don't you don't go chase the ball after that. If it's five yards deep, you don't run it out. Like coach him, but also say, hey, you're arguably the best player in the field. Like go make plays happen. So, right, you know, just, both. Just make smarter decisions. That's all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying tie him up and, and keep him from doing what he's doing. That's not what I'm saying. Let's just coach him up and be like, hey, you are good. Let's just get better. All right. You know, I'm I'm very excited for later in the week. I'm just gonna get like popcorn and put a lot of butter on it and have a big tub 
and just keep eating it and have like a big just jug of soda and just watch Candace and Fred go at it for Colorado. Cause this is the undercard, right? I mean, this is, <laughs> this is like the, you know, those presidential primary debates where they're like, Oh, this is the undercard debate. And then there's like the main debate on the main stage and like the undercards at 4 PM and the main ones at 7 PM. This is the 4 PM debate. Cause we're just talking Arizona state. I cannot wait for the 7 p.m. primetime debate with USC and Colorado. That's the main event right there. Ryan and I can just put our feet up and, and enjoy the show there, right, uh, later in this week. She's, she's going to have to show her, her alliance. Is she an SC <laughs> fan or is she a Colorado fan? Like, she has to make a decision. Reality set, reality set, in, reality set in last Saturday. I told her it was going to happen, and she didn't believe it. I'll finish the Saturday. There you go. <laughs> hey, be you got – And not be a gem. Or a Riley fan, and I have to stand by him. <laughs> Jamal's not a Jen or a Riley fan, so there we go. <laughs> Definitely, you guys. Uh, you guys got anything else before we wrap this thing up? Ryan, Jamal, Candace, we're all good. We're good. Let's on. We're on to Colorado. On to Colorado. Let's flush it. Let's move on. The Trojans are still undefeated, four and zero. Caleb Williams is still the man. Still the man. This has been the Salute Detroit podcast. Don't forget to drink athletic drinks. Go to drink AG1. Backslash Salute Detroit. Cut your grocery bill. Get you some AG1. Backslash Salute Detroit. And you'll get free five free travel packs and your supply of vitamin D. That's drinkag1.com. Backslash Salute Detroit. I appreciate you guys. It's been fun. We're going to Boulder. We're going to Boulder. So literally and physically. Well, you guys, you guys are going, but I hopefully we can work it out to where I can still be a part of the show. Don't leave me out, oh, guys, please. Oh my I goodness! Don't, I don't well, there's no the show window. without you, Fred. Come yeah. on, the host. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. Definitely. I appreciate you guys for watching. Hey, once again, if we get to five thousand followers, you get a free pack of Stone Brewery, um, uh, fight on pillow, and a free T-shirt. So let's get those subscribers. We're looking for five thousand subscribers. We're growing, and we would not be able to do it without you. Thank you guys once again for showing up to Stone Brewery on Saturday for the watch party and the live show. I appreciate all you guys' watches, views, subscriptions, and everything. Thank you very much once again. This is the Salute to Troy Bet Online Podcast. See you guys later.